Okay, everyone, welcome to the Respect the Math podcast brought to you by Reliable Tech Help. For all your IT needs, call Reliable Tech Help at 502-797-7399 or visit our website at reliabletechhelp.com. That's reliabletechhelp.com. I'm your host, Digital David Snyder. Here at the Respect the Math podcast, we talk about everything from technology to business, science, popular culture, and more. Basically, the things that I'm interested in because I'm kind of selfish that way. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast apps from Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, and others. Please interact with us online, and if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share our content. We'd love to hear from you. Today, our guest is Steve Rock. Welcome. Welcome. Thank he's, you. He's with, uh, w- um, he is with Omega Window Cleaning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Tell us about yourself and Omega Window Cleaning and how, how you can help people. Uh, so, my name is Steve Rock. I'm with Omega Window Cleaning. We're based in Louisville, Kentucky. We do commercial and residential window cleaning. That's full detail on the inside, outside, underneath the frames, and, yeah, we clean windows. Yeah, pretty simple, right? If you yeah. got a window, you can clean it? Absolutely. Now, I know you guys offer some other services, too. Um, do you do, was it dryer vent cl- uh, cleaning? We do. We do dryer vent cleaning and gutter cleaning also. But the majority of your work, I'm assuming, is windows, right? Absolutely. And that's residential, commercial, or are you it getting is. up on a crane if you have to, climbing uh, ladders? We do. Of? We have lifts. Okay. Uh, we're working on repelling aspect of it so we can do oh. much bigger buildings. Yeah. But we, uh, we have Texas Roadhouse's headquarters oh, based here in Louisville, Kentucky. That's contract. coming up. Uh, we just finished up doing uh, KFC Yum Brands. We did their headquarters in their tech building. Wow. Uh, we did Baptist East Hospital, a couple hotels downtown. So. Wow, those are some pretty big contracts you got there. They are pretty big. How big is your team? Uh, it's myself. I have three full-time people and a part-time guy. We okay. have a training officer also that does all of our uh, in-house training. And when we have new hires, he does a two-week training course with them. Wow. Now, the company's been around for a while, but you've owned it for how, how long? Uh, we've owned it for five years. Uh, it was started by a captain with the Louisville Fire Department about 30 years ago. Okay. And uh, it kind of, I don't want to say it got ran into the ground, but it just got neglected for quite a while so when we purchased it we ended up having maybe 15 clients left on the list and a dodge caravan it was a really old dodge caravan with a ladder on top and we've built it up we have about 500 clients now like residential clients and then we have a bunch of commercial clients also outstanding and you have your you have your lovely wife Kristen, and she kind of kind of sales and customer service for the company she does she does an awesome job with it so if you call you talk to her uh she's our office manager so she'll be the person that you talk to and get your quotes and send pictures, and she handles all the detail-oriented stuff. Very cool. Um, the background with it being firefighter-owned exclusively, right? Yes. Uh, thank you for your service. We're big fans here of the military and first responders. While people like me are running away from uh, danger, people like you are running towards it. So sure thank, thank you for thank you for that. Thank you. I'm sure you're proud of that. Um, the company uh, has been around for 30 years. You've owned it for five years, and you grew it, you said, from a Dodge Caravan with a ladder and a handful of clients to over 500 clients yeah. and a team of uh, four, four folks, including yourself. Okay. What are some interesting things that you can do in the window cleaning space that people who say, hey, oh, this guy just cleans windows, that's kind of boring. What are some things that come up in your day-to-day you know, cleaning windows people might not think about? Sure. So uh, one of our big things with window cleaning is going to be safety. All of our guys, they go through a two-week process. Um, our training officer, he is a full-time fireman also, as along with me. I ride a truck company for Shepherdsville Fire Department, so we handle strictly ladder operations and search and rescue. So ladders are something that we're really good at. Mm. Um, so in the fire department side of it, we throw ladders on roofs. We cut holes to ventilate and let smoke come out and heat come out to make it better for our guys inside. So 
we know the safety aspect of ladders. Mm. Uh, that's something people don't take into account. Normally, if you have a one-story residential house and you clean your windows, you can probably do an okay job with it, but we make them perfect. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a second-story, uh, second-story, third-story house, we're trained on using big ladders, maneuvering ladders to keep us from getting hurt or the ladder slipping, you falling from any type of height. So it's a big safety aspect with a lot of our clients mm. while we go to their houses and do stuff. It so. sounds like your skills and experience you've gotten working in the fire department has really translated to, uh, to this business, I would Absolutely. assume. Yeah. Yep. Very Absolutely. cool. Yeah. Um, if someone owns a, is there a building too large for you guys to service right now? Or uh, Normally we stay under 10 stories. Okay. So under 10 stories is kind of where our cutoff is. Uh, uh, myself and a couple of our guys were looking into doing training courses so we can start repelling. It's basically going over the edge of a roof on ropes and cleaning windows. So once we do that, there won't be any buildings that would be too big for us. We can tackle any of them. That's awesome. So that's on the horizon? You'll be it able is. to handle pretty much? It is. I would say within the next couple months. I would say as soon as we start slowing down for the winter time, we'll be um, – that will give us kind of a little bit of a space so we can uh, travel and do some classes. So yeah. um, we may have a class that will be here in Louisville, but more than likely we'll end up in Wisconsin doing a couple-week class and learn how to go all over the edge with ropes. Yeah, I've sat through a few of the presentations your wife has done, and uh, there were a lot of things I didn't think about. One is uh, skylights, right? Yes. Those things get filthy, right? They're terrible. They're yeah. terrible. All the pollen and uh, the sun baking pollen and dirt and dust from construction, getting yeah. on top of them. It just really, because um, the whole aspect of having a skylight in your house is just get that ambient light yeah. coming in, and it's just a different version of it. But yeah. when you get all that stuff on top of it, your pollen or organic matter, it decreases that. So your house... You, you're going to have a higher electric bill just because you're going to have more lights on if you're a light person. Oh, right. So yeah. If, we, um, yeah, if we come out, we'll clean skylights for you, and you get that ambient light, you get that natural light. It makes it look pretty in-house. Yeah. Um, with the skylight, the sun's sitting there cooking it all the time, the Absolutely. rain, the wind, the hail, and then all the uh, fall leaves and acorns and all that kind of stuff. You're Absolutely. constantly pounding it, right? Yes. Now, are you guys able to just polish that and kind of clean it, or do you have to resurface it like you would like the headlights on a car? No, typically um, there are some skylights that are going to be uh, plastic. Uh, with those, we have a couple of different chemicals that can uh, – it's an acid-based chemical, so oh. it'll take the top layer off, similar to restoring headlights on cars. Yeah. But uh, a lot of them are going to be glass. So anything with glass, unless it's been etched or it's got scratches, we can always get it clean. Now, do you recommend some type of, uh, you know, bi- biannually or every quarter or cleaning of people's windows? We So it just depends on where you live, really. Um, like newer builds, like in your Mount Washington or Simpsonville, where the trees are not real big, you can normally get away with an annual clean. Yeah. Um, typically in Louisville, old Louisville, where there's a lot of trees and the pollen count is just higher out here. Yeah. Uh, we normally, normally in the spring or in the late fall. Okay. And it's not just windows we're cleaning, too. We're cleaning the um, the tracking and the framing, too, around Absolutely. the window, right? Absolutely. Your window sills and then the track underneath of it. Yeah. Um, everybody's windows, you have weep holes, basically. So if mm-hmm. you're, um, as rain's hitting and you're getting some type of water in your window sill, it'll let it just drain out. Well, if you neglect those window sills, those weep holes get clogged up. Mm-hmm. So now your frames start holding water. Mm. Uh, a lot of the frames that are PVC or different plastics, it's not going to be a huge deal, but you'll get a lot of organic growth or moss or mold growing inside of it. Mm-hmm. And it can be, as you open your windows up, it can be more of a, I don't want to say a health hazard, but if you have allergies or you have uh, any respiratory problems, it can cause an issue with it. Now, if you have wood frames and you let that water sit in, it'll start rotting the wood frames out. Literally, it's like cancer for the wood. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah. yeah so you mentioned wood. Um, talk about the differences between cleaning and treating a surface that's vinyl or some type of composite material like the newer stuff is versus wood. So with wood, we have to scrub it down a little bit more. Um, most of the time it's going to be painted, so we have to be a lot more gentle with it because we don't want to damage the paint or flake it off or cause any issues with it. Yeah. Uh, so anytime you have paint, if you uh, chip the paint or anything, you've compromised the painting of it. So right. your weather elements and everything, it's just going to be a domino effect. You're going to have more problems with the wood if we chip it off or somebody does it uh, like pressure washing with high pressure. Mm-hmm. You can cause damage to it. Now your vinyl or composite, it's not a big deal. We can wipe it down. We can scrub it down. Uh, yeah. We have brushes that we use for stuff like that. So we can get it really clean as long as you stay on top of it. I'm assuming you recommend that for people over wood. I do. Yeah, I do. less maintenance, more longevity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just across yep. the board, it's a better product. Sure. Okay. Outside of skylights and uh, frames and uh, tracking and the obvious glass windows and um, other glass surfaces, do you do any type of... Uh, uh, work on like glass coffee tables or other? we do anything with glass uh, we can typically clean so we'll clean glass coffee tables or mirrors in bathrooms or uh, shower doors that are glass or stained glass items in the house a lot of people have decorative art that's stained glass and we can take that off clean it uh, really scrub it down make it look good um, so you don't have that dust building up on it or staining any of the stained glass can you think of an interesting story or two that uh, you've dealt with and something you wouldn't expect uh yeah, uh, you wouldn't expect yourself to run into or for the uh, people listening to hear about in terms of the weirdest thing someone asked you to cl- uh, clean or the weirdest house you went into, or can you talk about anything like that, something interesting? Uh, so we've been into a couple different facilities, obviously. Um, I'd say probably the most unique facility we've been in so far would be uh, KFC Yum Brands headquarters. Um, so obviously KFC Yum Brands, it's just a well-known, they have Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and... KFC. Mm-hmm. So among others, yeah. brand, branding is massive for those guys. Sure. So when you go in there, you see everything that they have branding wise. So the kernel is a huge deal for them. I'll bet. So every floor there, they have at least uh, two to three statues of the kernel on every floor and they decorate it in different ways. Yeah. So their team members, uh, most of the team members have pictures of them. That's Photoshopped looking like the kernel. Um, a lot of the uh, managers or the, upper tier of young brands their offices just has pictures uh with them with different clients or different celebrities and the way everything's set up um being in like the home service-based industry uh just seeing their branding and their marketing behind it is just absolutely phenomenal like yeah. it was good for me it was a good growth point for me as a business owner yeah it's inspiring right yeah, it was yeah. pretty cool get was, your brand out there absolutely can you talk about the people who try to diy stuff like this and <laughs> the common mistakes they're going to make it make because they don't do it like you do it professionally and why they should say, Hey, look, I I know you want to save a few bucks. Just pay a guy like me uh, who knows what he's doing and has the experience to do it. Can you talk about what that would be like? Sure. Uh, So a lot of DIYers, obviously if you go to the store, Windex, a lot of people want to just get Windex (laughs) and they just want to spray their windows. Well, uh, Windex, if you're using it on like an interior surface, like a glass mirror or something like that's fine. But if you spray Windex on a window, that's getting sun on it. You go to wipe it off. You may not see it right away, but as the sun's moving around, you're going to see it's going to leave some type of film or residue on it and make it look like there's like fog patches on the glass. Yeah. Um, that's a huge misconception because you see Windex, it's just a commonly known brand. Yeah. And yeah, it'll leave. Speaking leaves, of branding. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it'll just leave re- residue on the glass. So when the sun's moving around throughout the day, 
Uh, ours, we have kind of a proprietary blend. We uh, have three different ingredients that I've worked with over five years. Just kind of, So we have the exact amount, gallons, everything that we mix in now with ours. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of misconceptions. There was a lot of people that were using newspapers. They would use water and Dawn in I've newspapers and clean their glass with it. Isn't that uh, abrasive? It, it, a little bit, yes. Yeah. Um, and also, like, it, the ink. The ink ends up coming off. So oh, you'll yeah. end up getting drops of the ink on the frames and... If you have like just uh, oak frames or just like natural hardwood frames, like you can stain your frames up. Yeah. So um, all these um, old wives' tales are like these different things people showed me. I've went back to our shop and we've uh, we have display models of glass. Oh, do you? Nice. And we'll try different things on them. Just like okay, let's let's see if there's something that's really neat about it. We'll yeah. take pieces from it and we'll add it into our process. But uh, stuff like using newspaper or Windex, like it's nothing we've ever added to it. So, yeah. yeah. To give the people a feel for what the cost is. <laughs> You saw my house when you walked in here today. What's a rough estimate of cleaning all, all the exterior? Or can you give us a per window cost? Or sure. Typically, it runs between twelve to fourteen dollars per window, and that's going to be inside and out. So, if you have just a regular double hung window, it's just going to double hung means there's just two panes of glass. Okay. So, um, we'll clean the inside and outside of everything. We'll lift it up. We'll vacuum out all your tracks, and we'll wipe your uh, seals down on both sides. Wow. Uh, our process: whenever we come in, we want your house to look better than when we got there. So, and that's just not including the glass. So all of our techs, when we get there, we wear shoe covers. When we come into houses, we clean the inside, outside of the glass. Obviously, everybody's tracks always has some bugs or dust or something. Sure. And after we get done cleaning, our guys, they go through and they vacuum every room. Wow. Uh, Just in case there's wind, it blows anything around, we vacuum everything up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very professional. Okay. Um, $12 to $14 a window sounds pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. We're kind of, we're probably mid to upper, uh, like, top market but that's just because all the equipment that we use uh, you pay for the experience part of it so with anything in life you can you can get something that's cheap is not good right and good is not cheap so we like being midway all of our guys like i said we do a two-week training uh all of them know our exact systems everything Mm -hmm. that we do for it so uh all of our employees they go through it's called ask the seal so all of our employees you see walking around, they'll have a badge on them, and they do seven-year background checks. That's international, oh, uh, wow. international United States, state, and city background checks. We check for sex offenders. We check for any drug charges, felonies, or driving record uh, incidents. So all of our guys are going to be trained, and they're going to be good people when you show up. Yeah, it sounds like you vetted those folks. Talk about pr- pressure washing. Do you do any of that, or do you see anybody using pressure washing inappropriate, like like trying to clean windows or something like Absolutely. that? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So we use a company. Uh, we we share a shop with them. He's another firefighter at my firehouse. It's first response pressure washing. Okay, and we cross sell services between each other. Uh, yeah. we're just basically a sister company of them, or they're a sister company of us. Either way, uh, but yes, they use uh, soft washing systems, which is low pressure, so it's not going to be harmful to your vinyl. It's not going to be a harmful uh, to any siding, soffits, windows, or anything like that. It's very mm-hmm. low pressure. They apply chemical, and it kills all the organic matter. So one of the misconceptions is when you pressure wash, a lot of people will go to Lowe's, they'll buy a pressure washer, and they use high pressure, pressure with just water, and they'll pressure wash the vinyl siding and everything. Yeah. Well, you may get it clean initially, but there's organic matter that's attached to it. So. Yeah. Over the course of the next couple months, that organic matter is going to grow back. Well, with first response pressure washing, you use soft washing systems, and their chemicals kill that organic matter. Okay. So you're going to get a longer-lasting clean out of it. You're going to get a year or two out of your house once you clean it. You're not going to be every spring have your wife bugging you about pressure washing the house. So. Yeah. 
And so if you're just using tap water, you're get you're get you're getting the impurities in the water, yep. and you're also getting trace minerals and elements Absolutely. and stuff. And you spray that on a surface, it's going to stick, right? It is. It is, especially for windows. It's uh, just like I always uh, resort back to a car. So if you're washing your car and you just spray your car with a water hose and you just leave it, you're going to have spots all over your car. Yeah. Um, we have a system that we use cleaning water. Uh, Cleaning windows, it's a RODI system. It's a pure water system. It's a forged stage, and it takes all the minerals out. We actually have digital meters that we wow. gauge the water off of, and it judges it parts per million. So if you have a hundred mil or a million parts, we'll get it down under 10 pieces or 10 parts per million. Wow. And whenever we clean your windows with it, it would be a spot-free rinse. Is that a reverse osmosis process? Absolutely. Or? Same okay. exact thing. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm assuming um, the chemicals you're using are organic and safe, are, obviously. Yeah, are. so no threat to your pet or your no, yard or anything all. like that. Not at all. They don't have a smell or anything. We'll use uh, the only thing we use is Dawn, and it'll have kind of a fresh smell to it. Yeah, but they clean oil off the ducks with it. I was going to say Dawn is very. Yeah. yeah, they have a great. So. Speaking of brands, another another Absolutely. another great brand there. Um, can you talk about so if you're doing the windows? Uh, on a home or a business and, and you see a need for pressure washing, you refer it to your colleague there. What do you do when there's obvious window restoration or work that needs to be done when you spot that? Do you do any of that or do you outsource that as well? Oh, we do. So um, if they, there's hard water stains on windows, uh, we can handle that. That's a separate process for us. We use a more acid-based product and it just takes a lot more time for us to do it. So we have techs that's been trained in doing that also. And mm-hmm. We can send them out to take care of that. Now, if you have windows that have... Um, You'll see the gas um, has been compromised in between. Uh, there's other companies. We don't offer that service currently, but we can definitely point them in the right direction to get that fixed. Okay. Excellent. Well, let's talk a little bit about busy, being a business owner because uh, I'm an entrepreneur myself, and I think the people listening would like to hear your story. Obviously, you're a values-based business, being a first responder mm-hmm. and a family man. Can you talk about what you've learned acquiring a business, growing it to where it's at, branding it, building it, marketing it. Can you talk about that? Sure, absolutely. So I'll kind of start at the beginning of it. And so um, previous to uh, us owning a business or anything, uh, I worked at Humana for a few years. And um, once I was at Humana, uh, I decided I was going to be a volunteer fireman. And so I went through a volunteer fireman class, got certified with Kentucky. And my chief, he had offered me a job full time. So mm. I went from making pretty good money at Humana to making $24,500 a year. Yeah. So um, as you can imagine, that's really hard. So uh, my wife and I, we were just poor. We didn't have any money. And we had a daughter. She was really young also. So um, I, just like any other guy, I started figuring stuff out. Mm. I had picked up a part-time job uh, cleaning windows. And the business had went under, so I didn't have a job again. I didn't have a part-time job. So I started cutting grass, and as I was, I went and bought a lawnmower, started cutting people's grass. Well, people would ask, hey, can you trim my sh- shrubs? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. Yeah, can you pick weeds? Absolutely. Can you yeah. clean the gutter? So everything, anything I could do, I was making money off of. You were uh, hustling. Absolutely. I started yeah. cleaning fish ponds, uh, redoing koi ponds and water gardens. Uh, that was something that got asked of me. So I was marketing on Craigslist. Uh, this is previous to the wonderful Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would make posts on Craigslist, basically any type of service that I could do. So um, once I was in the fire service for quite a few years, uh, I was just doing anything under the sun to make money. So mm-hmm. another guy that I knew, he started a window cleaning business. Yeah. He had taken over the 30-year Omega window cleaning business. Okay. And I started working for him. I was uh, doing that a little bit when I didn't have other side hustles going on. Well, um, I had actually started pressure washing just throughout people asking me to do different things. So 
uh, first response pressure washing and myself, we were going to combine businesses. I had uh, Derby City pressure washing. And we were going to combine businesses. Well, that same day, we had just made kind of a verbal agreement on it. This uh, guy that owned a mega window cleaning, he called. He was like, hey, I want to sell you the business. I want to sell it to you. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll do it. So uh, first response, they started their own branch in business, and I took over Omega Window Cleaning. So um, we used to use, it was called Window Wax. It was basically like a cream polish, and it was a five-stage system that you would do the last. So each window would take 15 minutes to clean. It Mm. took forever. Yeah. So um, day one, my wife and I, we did some research and bought some squeegees and sponges, and we got all our equipment in. We're super excited about it. We put all the equipment on credit cards because we didn't have any money. Yeah. And um, we got all the stuff in, and I mix up my water and put the sponge, take the squeegee, and it looked terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and after about an hour of messing with it, I told my wife, I was like, oh, my gosh, I just bought a business that uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I have no clue. Yeah. So um, for the first six months of the business, uh, like I, would cl- I cleaned all my family members' houses and everything, and... Uh, we started calling people that was on the list yeah. uh, within that six months. So I went out for six months. I cleaned by myself, threw ladders on second and third story windows by myself. Just I wanted to learn every aspect of it. So whenever I brought people on, if I wasn't there, they could call me. Or if I was, I could. I had an answer to every problem that was out there. Yeah. Well, as you know, as an entrepreneur, you're never going to figure out every answer. Uh, it's just a, a myth. It's almost a mirage that you're going to figure out the answers. But I felt good about it. Yeah. So um, we had one van. Uh, I had... Uh, Worked at a firehouse, so I started recruiting guys at firehouse. I was like, hey, on your off days, you should come work with me. We'll, we'll clean some windows. Yeah. So I hired three or four people. So we would go out, and we'd do this house, and we were just cheering. We'd make 400 bucks in a day. Well, by the time you paid insurances, payroll, and gas, and then I would always take the guys out to lunch or something. We'd be walking away. We had 25 bucks left over out of the job. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I just I didn't know how to run a business, man. Like, yeah. I was just used to hustling, and I would just get a little money, pay some bills. So, yeah. Um, we started, uh, my wife and I, we started making systems. We started figuring out, okay, this is what our payroll has to be. This is the amount we have to meet in order for us to grow and actually scale this thing. So um, we got better at that. Once we got better at scaling a little bit, um, we're up to three vans now. We have uh, the original Dodge Caravan. Ended up being an amazing work vehicle, and it's still in our fleet Still in today. service? It's still in service. Yeah, nice. it doesn't have air conditioning, and I drive that one every day. That's okay. My, that's my baby. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, that reminds you where you came from, it right? It does. It does. Yeah. It keeps me humble. Yeah. Um, so we uh, just added another Dodge Caravan. Uh, we're supposed to be getting that wrapped soon, and we have a Ford Transit that's uh, fully wrapped. Oh. Uh, we have our three full-time guys, like I said, a training officer, a part-time guy, and um, yeah, so uh, now I don't have to be on site every day. We have our guys go out. They'll clean windows, and they're amazing. They're yeah. amazing. They're great guys. What a great story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so can you talk to that person out there who might want to be starting their own business, but they're like, I can't do this. I can't figure it out. I don't have enough money. What would you tell that person? What's, what's a good way to get start, started, and what's a way to do it to avoid some of the mistakes that you made uh, along the path of uh, growing your business? Okay, so find something you're passionate about. Um I didn't think I was passionate about cleaning windows until I started working part-time, and I really like the customer aspect of it. We're a home service-based industry, but we're customer service. Mm-hmm. So if you're good at something, whether it's art or uh, working on computers or gaming or something like that, whatever you're passionate about, jump into it. Don't think about it because it's never going to be a perfect time. You're always going to have your car is going to break down. Your kids are going to be sick. You have to go to work or something. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, there was tons of nights I would lay my kids down for sleep, and I was up to 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning working on marketing, working on, 
okay, we got to do this, or I was sending messages to people, and it would, yeah, there would be nights at two hours of sleep and then slide into the firehouse for wow. 24 hours and wake up early at the firehouse, start back on it again. So there's never going to be a perfect time. But yeah. if there's something you're passionate about and you want to be an entrepreneur, jump in. Jump in both feet. Uh, yeah. If you jump in or you put your toes in, you're always going to get scared and you'll back out and you go to the safety net or something that's comfortable. Yeah. So if you have that job where you have the 401k and the insurance and you know, hey, man, I'm going to every two weeks I'm going to make 1500 bucks. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. But, but if you want to have that bigger picture, if you want to have that uh, self-sustained, you don't have to worry about maybe losing your job or something like that. Be an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's going to be tough. You're going to cry. You're going to be upset. You're going to be mad. Something's not going to go right. Vehicle's going to break down. But at the end of the day, you're still an entrepreneur, and you can grow it as big or as small as you want to. Jump yeah. in both feet. Yeah, I try to tell folks this country has its flaws, and it has some bad things in its history. But in my opinion, it is the greatest uh, place to ever live in the history of humanity. And it's economically, it has the most fertile soil. Absolutely. There's more examples of people who started from nothing like you and me and built something out of themselves in this country than there is anywhere else in the world. Absolutely. I think that needs to be stated. So uh, the uh, the guy had actually bought the uh, window cleaning business, his name is Andre Dan, and he's from Romania. Oh, there you go. So um, he, uh, I had accidentally, well, I don't want to say accidentally bumped into him. So um, there was one day I was at my firehouse. I used to work in the uh, south side of Louisville, and this guy shows up, he's in a minivan, he knocks on the door, comes in. I'm like, yeah, man. So I walk him over to the cable box. I thought he worked for Spectrum. Oh. And I was like, yeah, man, the cable's right here. What do you need from me? He was like, oh, I want to put in an application to be a volunteer. I was like, I thought you are a cable guy. He was like, oh, I'm a window cleaner. I was like, yeah, okay. So he volunteered with this for a little bit. Me and him rode a fire truck together. Wow. Well, he um, immigrated from Romania. Yeah. And it took him four different times and people stealing money from him. And he kept getting sent back to Romania. Well, he ended up coming over to the States. He worked for a golf club in Tampa, uh, Florida, and his work visa ran out. And he had met some people there and lived in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So he, he fled. He got out of town. Oh. He was like, I'm, I'm running out of here. So he was illegal for a while. Yeah. So he started uh, just doing odd-end work. Well, he ended up getting a work visa again. It was extended, so he ended up moving to Louisville. And worked for a window cleaning company, which is Omega Window Cleaning. Huh. So um, once he got his citizenship, he had gotten married, got a citizenship. He bought Omega Window Cleaning. But when he came over from Romania, he had a duffel bag that had two T-shirts, a pair of underwear, and some shorts in it. That's it. And he immigrated from Romania. He, and he'll tell you all day long that the U.S. is the greatest country in the world. Yeah. He was like, you can do absolutely anything. So now he's actually a, a firefighter medic with oh. uh, Middletown. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah, he's doing great. Shout out to him. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, Andre. Yeah, Andre yeah. Dan. We always call him Romanian Dan. Everybody okay. in the firehouse has a name. He's a Romanian Dan. Nice. He's tough as nails. Yeah, you mentioned that story. That's great. My wife's family is from the Soviet Union. Okay. And anybody who's experienced real suffering and real poverty and real oppression, mm -hmm. they come here and within five minutes they have three jobs because it's a privilege to have a job, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I tell folks that some people in our country want to tell uh, people that live here that they're drowning in oppression and racism and all that stuff exists to a certain extent. Sure. But you are, in my opinion, drowning in opportunity and personal liberty, right? Absolutely. 100%. And any immigrant that comes here who's experienced suffering and poverty, they know as soon as they get here, oh my God, they can smell it before they even get off the boat or the plane, right? 100%. Yeah. The opportunity. Um, you mentioned early on when you were, um, kind of just hustling, uh, getting things started. 
something you said that made that really clicked with me was you said uh, I started mowing grass and people asked me to trim their shrubs or do so, there's something else. There's something I tell folks, listen to the marketplace. The marketplace will tell you what it needs. And if you're open-minded enough and open enough to follow where the market takes you, you can build a really nice business and it doesn't necessarily have to end up being what you started doing. Sure. You started pushing a lawnmower. Now you're running a window cleaning company. So that resonated with me when you said that, um, you also mentioned having passion for what you're doing. Um, can you talk about how I'm assuming there's only so much passion you can have for cleaning windows, but your passion for doing a good job, interacting with people. You said you're a people person, leading a team. I'm sure that has its benefits and its challenges too, sure. right? Absolutely. And then growing a business and hopefully being able to provide a better life for your family. Can you talk about how passion for those elements of running a business uh, comes into play? Sure. So I always go back to um, uh, when Kobe Bryant was playing in the NBA, they were doing a, they were in the NBA playoffs and the finals. So mm-hmm. um, they were up three games one. Reporter comes up to Kobe Bryant. He's like, yeah, what do you think about Securing game four. And Kobe Bryant, like one of his quotes, he said, job not done. Nice. So with that being said, I've always kind of lived by that mantra. So yeah. um, anytime I started running a business or anything like that, uh, pushing, like a job not done. It's yeah. not finished. So people, oh, yeah, you got three employees. You got three vans. You have a shop. Everything seems to be going good. It's not done. That's it's right. not finished. We're just getting started. Yeah. You know? Um, so by doing that, my daughter's 11 years old, so she got to um, – go through kind of the hustling stage with this. And um, I'd always looked for this synergy or this perfect balance, you know, like being an entrepreneur, like, oh, I got to have that perfect balance. I got to be able to spend this amount of time with my kids and this amount of time with my wife. And I got to be able to work this much, but I can't work too much. Well, there's no such thing. I haven't found it. And uh, I have a few business coaches and I brought it up to them or they brought it up to me. And there's, there's just not. Yeah. So some days you're going to give more to the business and being an entrepreneur or being a hustler. Some days you're, you know, on a Saturday, I'm going to go to my daughter's volleyball games. We're going to go have breakfast. We'll have dinner in the evening. Yeah. I'm going to give them, they're going to get a hundred percent of Steve rock. There are some days, obviously when I'm at the firehouse, I'm there for 24 hours. So I'll FaceTime or talk to my wife and kids, but I got to give a hundred percent to being a fireman because yeah. whenever I show up to a fire or somebody's having a heart attack or a car wreck, they expect me to be 100% there. Absolutely. So it takes that complete discipline to know just there's not a synergy. It's yeah. not going to happen. You're not going to find a balance. You can try. Yeah. You can try. And as soon as I let that go, life just became easier. It felt like it took a weight off my shoulders. I was like, okay, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know? So my daughter, she's 11. So she gets to see, she doesn't know it, but she gets, she sees her mom doing uh, quotes and talking on the phone. And yeah. She sees me like there's days I come in and I'm just beat. We've been up, we've had a fire all night and, I ended up going to clean windows for eight hours and I'm helping the guys and getting a shop together and making sure everybody's uniforms are clean and rags and towels are clean. I'm coming in at six, seven o'clock in the evening and she's like, Hey, you want to play? I'm like, absolutely. Sounds nice. good. I'll, I'll sleep when I die or if I get two hours in tonight, it's a blessing. You know, I'm, there might be times where I'm 35 hours straight, you know, wow. like working the firehouse and, or a fire or something go clean windows. And my daughter just because she didn't go through the day. She deserves me to be there, you know. My son, yeah. he's three. He deserves me to be there. And I'm, hey, man, I'm going to go take a nap. Yeah. I don't drink, you know. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, uh, just having that, like, that balance or imbalance, you know. Like, have the balance in your head. No, yeah. it's going to be okay. But there's just some days you're going to get pulled in one direction more than the other, and it's okay. 
it's going to be fun. Yeah. Are you uh, uh, familiar with Dave Ramsey at all? Oh, yeah. We're yeah, big like Dave him. Ramsey fans here. I, mean, I was I was massively against Dave Ramsey when I was 20, 21. My oh, me like, too. And who wants to like, do that? Oh, yeah. My wife's like, yeah, we got to cut up the credit cards. Dave says no debt. I'm like, Dave's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to live my life. I don't care if I have to pay for it later. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Well, when you mentioned the work-life balance thing, I was thinking about Christy Wright, who is no longer a personality with them, but she wrote a book um, – the guilt-free guide to life balance, I think. And she said that she was struggling with the concept of balance too. And you said, I have to spend X amount of time with my family and X amount of time at the fire station, X amount of time doing this and that. And she said she had a breakthrough when she realized that's not what balance is. Balance is doing the right thing at the right time. And there are seasons. There might be a season where you'll be able to dedicate more of your time to go to uh, school events or sporting events with your children sure. and there might be a season where you can't do as much of that where you got to spend more time working on your business or uh, your marriage or your um, career as a firefighter so when you mentioned that story it reminded me of that so I think sure. it's I think it's worth pointing that out um, mentioning hustling listening to your market growing a business doing whatever you could just to make ends meet and make your uh, fulfill your obligations to your family uh, I heard a where it's a brilliant person said genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Yeah. Have you heard that? No, that's hundred percent true. I guarantee yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I try to tell people, I wish there was some magic wand or some government program we could flip a switch on and make you successful and happy, but it just doesn't work that way. Does it? No, not at all. That's what they always talk about. Like, uh, basically your entrepreneurs or your big business owners they are in that top 1% of the world. Yeah. Well, it's not because they're the top 1%. It's just, they were willing to do, the other 99% of whatever everybody else was unwilling to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always easy. It's just easy to be comfortable. Yeah. It's so easy to be comfortable. I mean, who wouldn't want to be sitting at their house, not doing anything, watching some Netflix? You know, I like watching some new shows that come out. Yeah. You know? But you and I are doers. We could do that. We could do that for long. I couldn't. I had actually um, uh, made a run with the firehouse. I had uh, ended up tearing a ligament in my elbow. And I was out of, like, I couldn't be at the firehouse or do actually clean windows for, um, uh, eight weeks. Mm. So the whole time I'm off for eight weeks, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going crazy. First week was not bad. I was like, okay, got the house clean, got stuff picked up. Well, the other seven weeks were terrible. So, um, I had a couple of races that were coming up. Um, we were doing a brotherhood ride. It was for fallen first responders. So, um, that was kind of on my radar of where I wanted to be at. I was like, I need to return back to work in or around that period. I need to do whatever I need to do to get back. So it was a 400-mile bike ride across Kentucky. Are you talking a cycle or a motorcycle? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, cycling. I'm sorry. The original bike. Yes, the original. Um, So I wanted to do that, and I was like, okay, instead of sitting here at the house, I just got my stationary bike where I didn't have to use my elbow, and I just rode and rode and rode. So it was like, there's no way to sit still. Yeah. So we we rode this 400-mile bike race. It was over four days. Uh, We did 100 miles a day, and then – Five days after that, I ran a 50-mile ultra trail marathon. I didn't and, know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, my body, it took a week and a half, two weeks to recover. I'm sure if I was 21, it would be better. But yeah. there's no way to sit still. Like, my wife's like, hey, just relax. I'm like, I can't relax. That's no. not a thing anymore. Like, yeah, it's not in your okay. DNA. Yeah, it would drive me crazier if I just sit still, you know. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be relaxed at all if I'm out actually doing or moving around, you know. I feel great. Yeah. Speaking of Dave Ramsey, he said something was really profound once. He said... A lot of people think about what they'll have to do uh, to be successful. But the real question is, what are you willing to not do? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up to free up the resources 
for you to be able to do what you need to be to do Absolutely. to do to be successful. I think that's really interesting. I think you can relate to that, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah so uh, one of my business coaches I've had, it's a guy named Sean Whalen. He has a brand. It's called Lions Not Cheap, and he always talks about that. What is it going to take for you to be a free person? Uh, what are you willing to do to live a free life? And he's like, what does free mean to you? Yeah. So like free meant to me is having enough money in my bank account that I can like jump on an airplane and fly anywhere in the world that I'd like to. Yeah. That's what freedom meant to me. Not that you'd have to, but you'd have the option. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not that I'm just going to fly to uh, England or something like it. It'd be a cool yeah. place to go to, but yeah. um, just having that freedom to be able to do that. Or if I want to send my kids to private schools, I can do that, you yeah. know, or if we want to go out to dinner, because everybody's been through that league of life whenever you first get married or early on where, yeah, you're eating canned soup at home and it's just like, hey, you want to go out to dinner? Like, yeah, I wish that we could. That sounds nice. Yeah. yeah, I wish we could. It sounds great. Or, yeah. you know, you, you're looking for something to go to, you're looking for coupons or like, hey, man, we need to find something that has like a two for 10 pizza or something, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, it, he always talks about like, what is it going to take to make you free? And yeah, I, I, that's exactly what it is. Like not resting, not just sitting stagnant, not being content where I'm at. Because yeah. if we're content, like we have three full-time guys. If I'm content and I start getting lazy, like they're not going to put more food on their table. If I'm not doing my part, they're not going to feed their families. They're not going to put fuel in their cars or be able to take the trip with people. So now that I have additional people, like me being a hustler, wanting to work and be a great entrepreneur is because of those guys. Yeah. Like, it's great. I That's love it. That's a big it. responsibility, oh, it right? is. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And I didn't realize how big of a responsibility it was until um, me and my wife, we were sitting down one day talking to it, and I was like, it's just so humbling. Like, we had got a shop. Uh, we had always operated out of our house. Uh, us and First Response Press Washington worked out of their house. And in January of this year, uh, we found a shop in Mount Washington. It was a, a five-bay shop. That's uh, a big deal. It is. It was yeah. massive. Yeah. And me and... Um, my buddy Spencer Harden, it owns First Response. We're sitting in his shop, and I started crying. He was like, you good? I was like, no, man. I was like, this is a big deal. You never thought that would happen? No, right? I didn't think it would ever happen, you yeah. know? Like, it was just a massive deal. And then we uh, we had uh, one full-time person at the time. I was like, oh, we're getting big. We need, we need to hire some more people. Yeah. Like, instead of uh, living in this small box, like, let's buy the big box and grow into it, you know? Yeah. Like, let's grow into the big section. So, we... Um, now we've, we've grown into it, you know, like it's, it's amazing. I yeah. love it. Um, but yeah, being able to, um, yeah, being able to grow. It's great. Yeah. Man. yeah. Dave Ramsey says that which is not growing is dying. Absolutely. You've got to constantly adapt and learn and change and, e and evolve in real time or you're going to, you're going to get left behind, behind no matter what uh, industry you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can tell I'll be, I mean, you're sitting right across from me, man. You can tell I'm just, I'm really passionate about it. You know? Yeah. I love it. I love being an entrepreneur. I love being a fireman. Don't get that wrong. That's where I get my like adrenaline rushes and I can hang out with the guys. It's like yeah. having a sleepover with 10 of your buddies every night. You know, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the ultimate type a male fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's great, man. Like last night for dinner, we, uh, I was at the firehouse. We had pizza rolls and cereal. Yeah, <laughs> like this is everything your parents said you couldn't do. It's like yeah, we hang out with our buddies, watch TV, and uh, yeah, make some fire runs and eat pizza rolls and cereal. You know, but yeah. then on the flip side, it's whenever I leave the firehouse, it's like I just switch over my head. Like, oh, you're an entrepreneur today. Like, you have to be a dog. You got to go out and find some business. You know. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah, you're an intense guy. Your energy is uh, infectious. I can um, I can just feel it. That's that's very interesting. You mentioned doing the um, 400 mile bicycle ride, and that was for um. <laughs> Uh, firefighter 
who uh, died in the line of uh, yes. work. Okay. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit and how you um, feel yeah. an obligation to give back to your community and advocate for your fellow first responders and so forth? Sure. So um, obviously the ultimate sacrifice is going to be a firefighter, uh, police, or EMS losing their uh, life in the line of duty, whether it be a heart attack in the line of duty or they're killed in a structure fire shooting, a car accident, something like that. So uh, what the Brotherhood Ride does, it uh, commemorates and it honors these guys that's fallen in the line of duty. So uh, we plot our bike path on going to their hometowns, wherever they're oh. from. And we actually meet with the family and everything. We give them a plaque and we just let them know, hey, we're not going to forget about you. Mm. So um, every year we do it. Everybody's name's printed on the back of our cycling jerseys. And every year there's people that wear the previous year's jerseys. So oh. we never forget the guys from the previous years also. Okay. So um, it was really humbling because obviously I'm from the inner city in Louisville. So I don't really go out into more uh, rural communities as uh -huh. often. So yeah. uh, riding a bike, we went from... Um, trying to think where it was. We ended in Henderson, Kentucky, and we started in George. We started in Georgetown, Kentucky, ended in Henderson, Kentucky. Wow. So um, we went all over the place. Yeah. It was great. Like, we got to go into these communities and how tightly knit these people are. I mean, yeah. we went into Cloverport, Kentucky, which I had never been there. And if you've never been there, it's actually a really cute little city. It's Is pretty it? neat. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. They got one diner, you know. Yeah. Uh, it it's was all pretty, you need. Yeah, it's, it's all good, you need. good diner. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to eat 10 meals, you know. Yeah. You just eat at the one place. Um, but they had uh, fire trucks set up with a big flag that we were riding under, and people were lining the streets with poster boards and everything. It was a huge deal. We were in their local newspaper. And wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great, but it was all because we were there for a uh, fallen brother or sister, you know? Yeah. Um, so going into those stops like that, just letting the families know that we haven't forgot about them. Like, they're still our brothers and sisters just because maybe people don't talk about it as much. Like, we still got them in our prayers and thoughts, you know? Yeah. So. That's and pretty neat. You mentioned earlier uh, something you do that's pretty cool around Thanksgiving, right? Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, um, obviously, um, whenever my wife and I, we just didn't have much money. Like, uh, our families, they would always help us out if we asked, but we were just really stubborn. We wouldn't ask for any help. So, um, we always knew how much of a struggle it was. So, once we uh, got our business up and running and we were able to uh, financially afford it, um, I had put on Facebook one year, I was like, hey, uh, I want to buy a Thanksgiving meal. I want turkey, ham, and stuffing, and uh, corn, and mashed potatoes, and rolls, and drinks. I want to buy a full Thanksgiving meal for a family. Well, I put it on Facebook and on a couple of the community sites, and a couple of people reached out. I was like, okay, I'm not going to buy one now. I'm buying a couple now. Yeah. So um, uh, firefighter's wife uh, at Zonton Fire Department, she had reached out and was like, hey, I can cook some meals for you if you want me to. So she charges me a rate. She boxes them up. She puts turkey and ham and desserts and all the fixings and some drinks, plates, knives, and spoons. She puts them in boxes. And um, we just, the first year we did 10 or 15 families. I had a couple guys firehouse. They threw a couple dollars in on it. Some family members did the same thing. Well, yeah. Um, and how this, long ago was the first one? Uh, four years ago. Okay. So, um we're going to do it again this year for Thanksgiving, but by the time we're done with it, we'll have fed over a thousand families. Outstanding. Uh, this year, yeah. Just in one in one year? Yeah. No. Oh, be, we add them all up total. over yeah, four for, years, but it's still four. 250 families a year. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely massive. Wow. Absolutely massive. Yeah, it grew a lot faster than we thought it was because we were just going to put something in the back of our vans. We ended up having to rent a trailer and wow. uh, get trailers, and we were just going. And we were uh, feeding families from the west end of Louisville, the east side of Louisville, south side, all the way out to Lebanon Junction. Uh, Spencer County, Simpsonville. Wow. Uh, yeah, anybody that said, hey, I need a meal, I'm struggling this year. Like, hey, we got you. We're going to take care of you. Wow. You're going to eat this year. 
Good for so, you. That's yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Do you guys have a Facebook page for that or no, a website we don't. or anything? You just no. kind of just go yeah, do we it. Just, we just go off our own social media pages and then friends yeah. and family sharing it. So, wow. Yeah. How many people are involved in that now in terms of preparing it and delivering? And So the uh, one lady, she still, uh, the one lady still prepares. Um, she was preparing really? just out of a kitchen. For 250 people? Oh, yeah. This lady's a beast. She's awesome. Wow. Uh, so she starts working on it a couple of days before and uh, she gets everything boxed up and it's sitting outside, but... Uh, last year we had 10 different people that was out delivering, uh, all kind of like, as we get them in, I just kind of plot the map route. And, mm. um, I try to give everybody sections or a County to go to. And, uh, we deliver them all on Thanksgiving morning. We, uh, pick up all of our stuff at seven thirty in the morning. Everybody meets at Shepherdsville station, uh, headquarters right in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. And I distribute all the boxes to everybody, give them their names and uh, addresses they need to go to. And yeah, man. And you knock it out in one day. Knock it out in one day. Wow, yeah. like the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're basically or? we're Santa Claus for Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> Is it on Thanksgiving Day or on Thanksgiving Day? Oh, okay. Thanksgiving morning. Yeah. Uh, wow. All these people, like I, I appreciate them dedicating the time to it. Sure. Um, but it's really cool for me. My daughters got to see us do it. Um, nice. And go into like more poverty stricken areas, or we may go into places where they got two thousand square foot house. It looks like a beautiful neighborhood, you know, but. Hey, may have lost their job, lost their vehicle, got mm -hmm. really sick or something like that. And they're just struggling. You know, yeah. we don't care. I don't judge people on it. Hey, if you need food, I got you. I'm yeah. going to feed you and your babies today. Yeah, if you want, if you want to exploit a person like me trying to do good, oh yeah, that, and then you'll have to answer for that on your own. No right? doubt about yeah, it. I'm, I'm going to give you some turkey. You're gonna that's get right. Some stuff, <laughs> a little bit to drink. So that's awesome. Yeah. So your children get to, to see you wearing the firefighter hat, wearing the entrepreneurial hat, seeing you uh, and your wife demonstrating work ethic and giving back to your community. I think that's got, I got, I've got to make you feel really good about how you're preparing them for adulthood, right? Sure. It does. So none of that, obviously none of it was ever intentional. Uh, it just came from survival initially. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've always just tried to live, uh, to just, just do what I do, what I do, what fulfills me because nobody else can make me happy except for me. Mm. Uh, so if I make myself happy and I'm happy, everybody else around me can just add to it. You know, mm -hmm. and that's what we try to run our life like. Uh, so our kids get to see us happy. Um, they see us struggle sometimes. They see us thrive sometimes, you know, but we're able to give back to the community. We're able to uh, just work under the radar. We don't uh, boast about any of it. We're just, we're like Santa Claus for Thanksgiving. We just kind of slide in, throw some meals out there. Or, um, if we're a firefighter, I'm not like, I'm firefighter Steve Rock. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm a fireman. You know, whenever I show up in your house on fire, I got a mask on. You're never going to know who I am. Yeah. You know? Same thing. Yeah, occasionally somebody, I'll run into somebody at a networking event or something, they'll say, I'm so-and-so, I'm I'm CEO and founder of Joe's Landscaping. I'm like, dude, you push a lawnmower. <laughs> Technically, you're the CEO, I guess, but that you're doesn't... You're the CEO, you're the accountant. Yeah, the I mean, the scheduler. CFO, everything, right? Yeah, that absolutely. doesn't that doesn't impress me. What, no. are you, what are you doing? Who are you helping? You know, that kind of thing. I never, and I actually am a CEO, right? Like, I could claim that. I would never do that. I'm not judging somebody who does, but sure. it just always, always kind of rubbed me the wrong way and kind of made me think, well, what's this guy or gal trying trying to trying to cover up for it with sure. these fancy titles that don't really mean anything absolutely right? yeah. absolutely even on social media and stuff uh i'll throw out like oh owner of omega window cleaning every once in a while but most of the time steve the window cleaner yeah, yeah i like that or if we show up to people's house i'm like hey i'm steve the window cleaner yeah and they'll ask one of our other guys I'm like, yeah who, who's in charge who runs it they're like oh that guy out there yeah they're like the guy on the ladder but they wouldn't know unless they no, asked they right no not at all yeah. they wouldn't i try to run it like that like i don't try to look at my guys as 
employees or they work for me. They're all team members. Absolutely. You know, everybody's a team member. Like, yeah. I'm going to get on a ladder just like you're going to get on a ladder. Everything you're doing, I've done or I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah. You're setting that example. Absolutely. I love Absolutely. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you ever heard the phrase, you can't push a rope? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're not going to be able to, maybe for, for a short time, you could be able to do it. You're going to be able to motivate and inspire a team and to do good work uh, by pulling them towards you. Sure. By setting that example, not asking them to do anything you wouldn't or aren't able or willing to do right now, right? For sure. So yeah. we had a guy that worked with us full time for a little bit, and um, he was like, "I'm the best window cleaner. I'm the fastest guy ever." Blah blah. Tom was like, "Okay, you feel like you're at the top of the mountain, right?" He's like, oh, "I am. I'm definitely there." Yeah. I was like, "All right. I don't know if you know how lonely the top of the mountain is. Yeah, it's pretty lonely, man." I said, yeah. "So how about you stick your hand down?" And help people up there. Have a party at the top of the mountain. Yeah. You know? I was like, you don't want people having a party at the bottom of the mountain. You're at the top by yourself. I was like, pull them up there. Yeah. Have a party with them. Train <laughs> them up. Make them better. I yeah. was like, because if they're faster and better, it's going to make your life easier and your job easier. I was like, don't be the best and fastest and everything that you think you want to be. Yeah. If you're at the top of the mountain, hand them up. Pull them up with you, man. It's much funner to have a party with a bunch of people instead of just by yourself. Yeah, that reminds me. I always think every rung of success that I climb on that ladder, I can't help but look down and see somebody else a few rungs uh, below me. And I want to mentor that person and encourage them and advise them and help them. And I tell my people that work for me, my team members, I say, your success is my success. 100%. We're in this this together. I'm invested in you. Hopefully you're invested in me and it'll show in the quality of the work that we do. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, Our guest today is Steve Rock, to reiterate, and he's with uh, Omega Window Cleaning. Can you tell folks how to interact with you, your phone number, your email, social media? How would you like for them to find you? Sure. So you can uh, go to omegawindowcleaning.com. Phone number is 502-619-4676. You can find us at Omega Window Cleaning Louisville on Facebook and Instagram. And we have TikTok also. We're just not as active on TikTok. <laughs> uh, one of our younger guys is going to take that over for us and handle the TikTok portion. Very cool. So, yeah. Give them that web- website and uh, phone number one more time. Uh, it's going to be omegawindowcleaning.com. Phone number is 502-619-4676. Perfect. Um, I have three questions for you. All right. I got three answers. Maybe. Oh, maybe, right? Yeah. This segment of three questions is brought to you by our nonprofit, See Good to Be Good, which aims to act as a source of hope, motivation, and inspiration to help folks achieve their dreams. We're currently accepting donations to help fund our needs-based scholarship to help a young person pay for their education in the arts. If you'd like to help us, please let us know. Question number one, why are you successful? Because I hustle. Yeah? Because I hustle. I work one word, hard. hustle. Yeah, hustle. Yeah. Job I, not done. I like it. Always chasing that next horizon. Absolutely. Yeah. Why are you happy? Um, because I, I think it's just the full atmosphere of my life. Uh, I think going through each one of the seasons so far, I'm only 35, but I think uh, I've been through a few seasons of downs and in between. So um, I think being at the firehouse or being on the fire department, I see how fragile life is. Mm. Um, nobody knows. Uh, you got a guy that's driving to his kid's game, and he may never make it there. So I just recognize how thin that line is and just try to live life to the fullest. So you're constantly reminded in your professional life of how fleeting things can be and how nothing's guaranteed, right? Mm -hmm. Gives you that perspective. 100%. Yeah. Uh, What obligation do you feel to help other people? Uh, I feel like, like I was talking about a moment ago, if you're at the top of the mountain, it's awfully lonely. But if you have the the funds or the sources of the word of encouragement and you can help other people, you should always stick your hand out. 
you should always help somebody out. If you see somebody just struggling and you can mentor them or give them some words of advice or maybe you see them out to dinner and it's just like a single mom and her kid, pick the tab up. Mm. You know? It might be 25 bucks, but you don't know what's going on in their life. If you can financially afford something like that, and if you can't financially afford it, like, hey, you're doing a good job. Yeah, I think it's sad when I run into people that are greedy because mm-hmm. they're missing out on the unique form of joy and oh, contentment sure. that comes from helping others. Absolutely. Can you tell us, where did you learn, learn that? Did you learn it from your parents? Did you learn it later on in life? Where did that, where'd that, that sense of, of giving back and c- caring for others come from? Uh, I think it came from my parents. They were always extremely generous. I had a lot of friends that, uh, had a couple friends that were uh, less fortunate. And my mom and dad, they always brought them into the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one friend, he stayed at our house all the time. Ate all of their food, everything. My mom and dad, they never complained. They're like, yeah, just go in there and get you some food. Or they'd pick us up from practice or school. And mm-hmm. my mom and dad, they were always just super generous. And I think it just it just attached to me. And I've always been that way or had that mindset just of helping people out, not for a pat on the back or a social media post, but just for the feel-good part of it, like yeah. knowing that you're helping somebody. Yeah, if I do something nice for someone and they say thanks, I say, well, yeah, um, thank you for uh, uh, acknowledging what I did. But quite honestly, I do it for selfish reasons because it makes me feel good. Yeah, I get it, 100%. <laughs> yeah. We'll go into uh, different restaurants or something. I'll be like, hey, pay for that the meal over at that other table. Or uh, if we go to lunch, we're at the firehouse. I'll, if we go out, I'll be like, hey, here's 40 bucks. The next couple yeah. of people come in and pay for their meal. They're like, yeah, you want to tell them? I'm like, no, absolutely not. I was like, I just want to watch them, though. We're sitting here eating. Yeah. I was like, I just want to watch them. Have you found the more generous and kind you become, the more successful and happy you are? I think so. Absolutely. I think there's a direct correlation uh, in happiness and giving. Uh, I think the more that you give or the more that you uh, add value to life or people's life, I think it's just inevitably going to give you more happiness and success. Yeah, and it comes back to you in a way that you couldn't have anticipated, right? It's it's one of those things, it's not for sale. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's a a not for sale item. You're you're either going to get it or you're not. Yeah. So, Well, thanks for being here, uh, Steve. You're one of the more unique people I've interviewed. Um, Your energy and your uh, passion for... Uh, uh, chasing your dreams and building your business and taking care of your family is really special. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, Joe Girard once said, the elevator to success is out of order. You'll have to use the stairs one step at a time. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. That's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, that really resonated with me when I read that. Uh, If you would like to be a guest on our show or you would like help creating and or distributing your own podcast content, please contact us for more information. I'd like to take a moment to thank the talented people that work behind the scenes to make this podcast happen. There's the effervescent producer, David Snyder, running audio and video. The intrepid David Snyder casting and scripting the show. And finally, the brilliant and gifted David Snyder editing and distributing the show online. I know I'm a little biased, but I think that's a fine group of people there. Doing a great job. Thank you. I'd like to thank them for their uh, contributions to the show. And one more time, we'd like to thank our guest, Steve Rock with Omega Window Cleaning for being here today. Thank you for having me. That was a great conversation. I highly recommend you uh, choose Omega Window Cleaning for all of your uh, window cleaning needs. I've got a great relationship with Kristen, and now I I feel like I know you a lot better, and I highly recommend you guys reach out to them uh, for those needs. And I think I can speak for you if someone listening would like to get involved in your Thanksgiving um, meal, meal service and or your bike ride, they can reach out to you too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, always need another hand, right? 100%. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us today, and uh, thank you to our listeners and sponsors for making this podcast possible and hopefully successful. 
And we'll see you again real soon on a future episode of the Respect the Math podcast.